We're in Genesis chapter 43 today. And we're continuing in the life and the leadership of Joseph. And I got to tell you, observing his life and his leadership has been quite a, an influence. Because it's also been influential to the actual main leader of Egypt at the time, which was the Pharaoh of his day. The Pharaoh of his day was so impressed with Joseph and his administrative knowledge that he actually put him in charge of the country. Of course, Pharaoh was still number one, but everything went through Joseph. This Hebrew man that was imprisoned falsely, this Hebrew man that was sold by his brothers, was now the leader of a nation which was once great in its day. And when we look at this model of leadership, we could see even this Pharaoh at the time. The, the Pharaoh was probably one of the better leaders of this day because of who he teamed up with. This was quite the model of leadership because, again, this Pharaoh was unnamed. But, but what this Pharaoh did was he recognized something that was genuinely a spiritual issue. And, and saw a form of reverence towards God, which other ones did not. This Pharaoh remained open to receiving help wherever he could get it. Okay, Many, many leaders refused to stop taking help from those that they would consider inferior. But this Pharaoh gladly accepted help from whoever could give it. And, and again, even from a Hebrew slave, a prisoner, the Pharaoh quickly recognized the talent of Joseph. And Pharaoh recognized his limitations. And then he, the Pharaoh showed great gratitude to Joseph for his effective service here. And we're, we're going to see the continual work here that's going on because in the previous chapter, Joseph had encountered his brothers after a period of years that he hadn't seen them. He had no idea what happened to them. They have no idea what happened to him. So they approached him, and, and Joseph, again, recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. Because Joseph was 17 years, years old when they sold him off, and now we're probably looking at 20 years or so, maybe 15 or around there possibly. And Joseph had probably changed in his stature, his appearance, but he, was, he changed mostly because he was wearing Egyptian garments and probably wearing the Egyptian um, uh, hairstyle, which actually was no hairstyle. They were completely shaved in the day compared to his Hebrew brother, brothers who would have been most likely a lot of hair with beards and so on and so forth. They, they did not recognize Joseph. He spoke to them through an interpreter of that, of that uh, Coptic language that they spoke. And what was interesting was is Joseph quickly came up with a plan to make sure that his youngest brother, who was Benjamin, was doing okay. He accused them of being spies, and he and he said that I wanna I wanna see this young this youngest brother of yours to make sure that you aren't spies. So what he did was is he kept he's keeping one of them imprisoned, if you will. He's keeping one of them in prison until they return with the brother Benjamin, so that way he could make sure that his brother's okay. Now, granted, they have no idea who he is. But Joseph, again, came up with this very wise plan to, to make sure 
that Benjamin was was in good hands, that he wasn't sold off, that he wasn't uh, being mistreated like he was because Joseph was the favorite of the group. Joseph was the second youngest of those twelve. Benjamin being the absolute youngest. And, and so in the previous chapter, when they had come back home and they told their father Jacob what had happened, Jacob basically took the blame for everything, saying that this is completely against me. All of this is against me. But we're going to see God had another plan. We're going to see that, that Jacob wasn't, uh, wasn't thinking clearly. But then again, when you think your son is dead, and now your other son is being imprisoned, and now your youngest son is being summoned to a country where Hebrew people were not liked, I think most people would have easily mistaken for um, something bad, of course. But we're going to see how God is in control. If you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 43. If not, I'm going to be reading to you verses 1 through 10 to start us off. And now it says, Now the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass, when they had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt, that their father said to them, Go back up and buy us a little food. But Judah spoke to him, saying, The man solemnly warned us, saying, That you shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. If you send our brother with us, we will go down and buy you food. But if you will not send him, we will not go down. For the man said to us, You shall not see my face unless your brother is with you. And Israel said, Why did you deal so wrongfully with me as to tell me the man whether you had still another brother? But they said, The man asked us pointedly about ourselves and our family, saying, Is your father still alive? Have you another brother? And we told him according to these, thing, these words, Could we possibly have known that he would say, Bring your brother down? Then Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and you and also our little ones. I myself will be surety for him. From my hand you shall require him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, then let me bear the blame forever. For if we had not lingered, surely by now we would have returned the second time. Now, as I mentioned in the previous chapter, that uh, Joseph had shown great concern over his, or I'm sorry, J Jacob had shown great concern over his youngest son, Benjamin, going to Egypt to prove that he was still alive. And Simeon was kept in prison for collateral until Benjamin showed. But Jacob seemed to be accepting of that. But, but unfortunately, their sources ran out, forcing them to go back to Egypt. Now, Judah, he took responsibility for, for much here which was a form of redeeming for him. He, he proposed that Joseph be sold off as a slave. When they sold him off, this was the doing of Judah. The brother Judah was the one who proposed that we sell him off. They wanted to kill him originally, but Judah said, let's just sell him off. And then we look at Judah's life later on, when he had children and so on and so forth. And then when his older sons got, his son got married, he did wrong by his daughter-in-law. By, by her way of payback, she, she disguised herself as a temple prostitute with a veil over her face and lured Judah into sexual acts. Because Judah's son had died and she was sent off to live back with her family. 
But this daughter-in-law disguised herself as a prostitute. And Judah fell into a trap. Now Judah's putting his life on the line, which was the first noble act that we see from him at this time. You know, accepting responsibility is difficult. But it builds character. It builds redemption. And it builds trust and respect from others. And we can see that there was a motivation to complete the task through all of this. Which is, again, the the beauty of being with God. Who does not tolerate sin and wrongdoings, but is the first one to show mercy and pick us up when we fall? On on a personal level, I I see it as a preventative of such things here. Okay, Because conviction is a good thing. Conviction is proof that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And that you hear Him. If we ignored the conviction, we would just sink deeper into the hole that we dug ourselves in. See, we will never know sinlessness or perfection until we are in heaven. But we have the Lord and His power to fight against these things. See, I want to stay clear of these things as much as possible. For the sake of my own well-being and those around me. But most of all, I want to make my father to be pleased, okay? So with that being, first priority, everything else will be blessed by him as we seek to be blameless as possible. It is a a hard task, but as much as possible, may we seek to be blameless. Because when we look at the things of, of Judah here, as I gave an example, or if you've been following along, you can see to yourself that, wow, Judah did some horrible things. But yet Judah was going to be the founding tribe of one of the most important tribes that there is on the Judean kingdom and that of King David to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a descendant of. God really does do miracles, doesn't he? But he keeps on giving. Let's continue to read here in verses 11 to 18. And their father Israel said to them, It must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a uh, present for the man. A little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, uh, pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned in the mouth of your sacks. Perhaps it was an oversight. Take your brother also and arise, go back to the man. And may God Almighty give you mercy before the man that he may release your other brother and Benjamin. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. So the men took that present and Benjamin, and they took double money in their hand, and arose and went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of the house, Take these men to my home, and slaughter an animal, and make ready for these men. will dine with me at noon. Then the man did as Joseph ordered, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. Now the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house and they said it is because of the money which was returned in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he may make a case against us, seize us to take us as slaves with our donkeys. Because I know this story, I can't help but to find a little bit of humor in this. Because as the brothers met Joseph face to face, they had no clue that it was him. But yet he knew who they were the whole time. Now, I do feel for Jacob, you know, as a father, who could fathom the thought that their son was dead? 
And now another is being held in prison just so the youngest will go to Egypt to possibly be killed or imprisoned himself. That's what's being made known here. Jacob showed the most integrity as he sent more money as well as gifts. You know, Joseph gave them the food to bring home in the previous chapter. He put, he put their money back in the sacks without them knowing it. And when they seen it, they thought that they, that they would be accused of theft, and they all panicked. Joseph, he sent extra items, okay? Um, or Jacob did. Jacob sent extra items. You know, he sends these pistachios, almonds, bombs. Some of the items uh, sent would be treated like interest on top of payment. But these were items that were not common in Egypt here, okay? So let, uh, let's show some respect as well as some gifts, which was what... Um, Jacob was doing so we can see that Jacob wasn't trying to get away with anything when Joseph seen Benjamin alive when he's seen him alive and well he invites them to his home now there's two ways of seeing this invitation uh, some would see it as favor others could see it as the brothers did the end <laughs> well I guess we're, we're going to be poisoned or something killed by the sword in this home uh, definitely unorthodox in what was being done uh, Jacob knew what had to be done take Benjamin and the gifts and the money and if I'm bereaved then, then so be it uh, I will live with the consequences if it happens but what I love the most out of all of this is God's doing. We can credit Joseph's wit, but no wit is as good as, as God's guiding hand. The brothers deserve to sweat a little bit as God was teaching them a lesson. Their father Jacob sure, sure knew about lessons learned in his life. Yeah, you would think that they would have learned from his past. The, the the problems that he had with his twin brother and then and then him having to run off to his uncle Laban who was his uncle Laban was doing him wrong left and right and he had to escape from him but these guys they stooped to lower levels which brought them to this point so let's go ahead and continue reading and see what happens here as the story just continues to get better in verses 18 to 28 now the men were afraid because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, it is because the money which was returned in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he may say, make a case against us. So when they drew near to the steward of Joseph's house, they talked with him at the door of the house and said, oh, sir, we indeed come down the first time to buy food. But it happened when we came to the encampment that we opened our sacks and there each man's money was in the mouth of a sack, our money in full weight, so we have brought it back in our hand. And we have brought down other money in our hands to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. But he said, Peace be with you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money, then he brought Simeon out to them. So the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water, and they washed their feet, and he gave their donkeys feed. Then they made the present ready for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they would eat bread there. And when Joseph came home, they brought him to the present which was in their hand into the house, and bowed down before him to the earth. Then he asked them about their well-being and said, Is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? And they answered, Your servant, our father, is in good health. 
he is still alive. And they bowed their heads down and prostrated themselves. The more I see Joseph's demeanor in each chapter, I see why God used him and put him in the position that he's in. And if I could get personal and ask the question, a simple one, if you were in Joseph's situation, what would you have done or handled it? How would you have handled it? See, I asked myself and really couldn't answer, I couldn't answer that because I've never been in that situation. But whether we have, have or not, the example was shown in God's way that was pleasing. He could have had the best revenge scenario in the palm of his hand. But he did the opposite of what most typical people would have done. And I say typical people. Revenge of some sort. He, he not only blessed them, but he served them. But most of all, what he did first was give the glory to God in the provisions that were given to the brothers. God has given you the treasures in your sack. God provided the food, the money, now his family. What we're seeing here is discipleship of Joseph's time, very similar to what is seen in the Gospels with Christ Jesus. We're seeing a heart of grace and forgiveness. It's as if he's more excited to see them considering the circumstances than anything. They kept bowing down to him, which would have been a perfect time for him to come out and say, See, I told you my dream was accurate, that you'd all be bowing down to me. <laughs> well, we see that he didn't. Yet his dream, like all the others that he had, was completely 100% accurate. What a blessing for Joseph to know that after all these years, that everyone, including their father, was still alive. Now, to bring us back to his youth, again, Joseph was the favorite of the sons, which brought Joseph, this is the reason why Joseph was brought to Egypt, as his brother sold him to Ishmaelites passing by, and then, and then he was sold to Potiphar, the, the Egyptian general of power. Jacob, his father, went into mourning that would last him a lifetime when the brothers lied about Joseph's death. This scenario is such a blessing more for Joseph than anything as he gets to catch up with his brothers, at least catching up in their lives at this time. In verses 29 to 34, Then he lifted his eyes and saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said, Is this your younger brother of whom you spoke to me? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Now his heart yearned for his brother. So Joseph made haste and sought somewhere to weep. And he went to his chamber and wept there. Then he washed his face and came out. And he restrained himself and said, Serve the bread. Now they set him in a place by him, by himself, and, and them by themselves. And the Egyptians who ate with them by themselves. Because the Egyptians could not eat food with the Hebrews, for that was an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright, and the youngest according to his youth, and the men looked in astonishment to one another. Then he took servings to them from before him, but Benjamin's serving was five times as much as any of theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. I guess they haven't caught on yet, as Joseph had placed them in the seating order of their ages. 
You know, we, we could see the separation of the Egyptians as it was, it was wrong for them to eat with the Hebrews, okay? So later on we will see the Hebrews taking on the same approach to eating with Gentiles, which would also be Egyptians. And it, this was ancient forms of prejudice. But at this time, the ancient Egyptians were pretty prejudiced to any outsider. And, and he gives Benjamin five times the portion of the others. He was, he was the full brother of Joseph. And he hadn't seen him since he was little. We don't know their age differences. But at this time, because Joseph was 17 years old, and some years later, Benjamin was, was born, Benjamin would have been a little guy at the time when Joseph last saw him. Plus, he was the one who had nothing to do with Joseph selling off as a slave. We can see that Joseph may have been doing, uh, doing it to see how the others would react to Benjamin's favor, too, though. <laughs> but Joseph was favored by their father, Jacob. And Joseph suffered from the jealousy of his brothers. Now, it is sad that favoritism exists, especially in families. And we see that, we see that downfalls come in all forms from that. Which is why I am blessed to be of God. Uh, the one who does not show favoritism as in human form, but loves all and shows love and mercy to all who call upon him. Again, the blessings of God's word to us can point us in the right directions, which is directly right up to him. We can see the destruction of favoritism and the things it causes in this world. And we can simply observe what we read or we can observe and apply what we read to get the results God intended us to have in our lives. But like Joseph, who had seen the blessings of God's hand in his life, it was there because he had a relationship with God and obviously was obedient to God. Again, as God loved Joseph, he loves every one of us the same. He loves all of us the same as he sent his only begotten son to die for the sins of the world. And Christ himself willingly did so on the cross that we would have everlasting life. The opportunity is always here. If you feel led to have the Lord in your heart and to receive his love, the opportunity is there. See, Joseph again, Joseph was an extraordinary young man, had such a close relationship with God through all circumstances. Joseph was tested, and he was not only tested, but tested and approved. Because a lot of times, people follow God because of what they can get out of Him. When things are going great, they're with Him side by side. But when things are in their hardest moments, well, it could go the other either way. They're either with Him closer until they get out of the situation, or they walk away from Him. Joseph maintained his course, regardless of his circumstances. And that's what I continue to make known in each chapter. What was, what was encouraging was as Joseph's demeanor, no matter what the circumstances were. He did not walk away from God. He did not deny God. Okay? And, and God blessed Joseph with a blessed way of leadership. Joseph wasn't just some administrative manager who just dictates and manages people. Joseph was a true leader. 
in the difference of a leader is that which we can see in the Bible written in the, in, in the form of the Greek language when the New Testament was written. We could see that leadership, the gift of leadership, was translated into somebody who would be like on a, on a ship or a boat. And he would be like the captain standing on the bow of the boat looking ahead. Looking at, ahead at the direction. And not just in the direction they were to go, but also looking ahead at the dangers that were to be had. Joseph did just that through the abilities that God gave him. Joseph was, the, was able to come up with a plan in order to preserve not just the land of Egypt, but also of Canaan where his brothers came from in order to purchase food as God had blessed the, Egypt abundantly at the time. But you see, Joseph also knew that eventually there would be a famine in the land of Egypt, so he came up with the idea of what they should do in order to make provisions. We're going to see God's work at hand here in the next chapter even more so. It gets better and better. As I said last time, that you know, when you think it couldn't get any better, it really does. But I want us to look at the best of all right now. See, this was thousands of years ago. But you see, God hasn't changed. God hasn't aged. God's mind is still the same as it was. And, and the best of, of what we can get now is receiving Him through His, through His Son, our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus. So I want to give the opportunity right now as we continue to, to read the story of Joseph, we are coming to the end of Genesis pretty soon, and it's been an amazing journey, and it's been an amazing study of this book. We've got a few more chapters to go. And each chapter gives us something in order to lead us into the ways of Christ and do a relationship with Him. God doesn't change. He's the same as He was yesterday, today, and forever. So I want to give you the invitation now to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, if you feel led. And by doing so, you can repeat this prayer after me. And by saying it in truth, you will be of Him. So I repeat after me, Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And Lord, I receive you in my heart, Lord. I thank you for dying on the cross, Lord, for my sins. And I pray, Lord, that you will receive me now as I receive you in my heart as my Father, my Lord, and my Savior. Lord, may you wash me and cleanse me of all of my sins. And when my time is up, may I be with you, Father. And I thank you again for doing all that you've done and continue to do as I have received you now, Lord, as, as I am of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, God bless you and keep you. And may you continue to, con to watch and to hear. Because, see, the Lord, he's always watching and, and hearing everything we do. So I want to make sure that, again, as we see God's Word, that we become doers of His Word. 
And may we continue to walk closely with Him as we venture through the Bible together. May God bless and keep you.